Hello everyone, I'm Andres Vélez. And I'm Maximo Cubilet. And we are the ESA FinTech Podcast. Welcome to our second show on ESA's summer internships. Today, we have Peter Swart with us to share his experience at Arex. We'll be diving into his motivations to go into the industry, the recruiting process, what he did there, and his reflections on the industry. Well, Peter, welcome aboard. Good morning, guys. Great to be here. Yeah, good morning. Great to have you here. Barcelona, sunny Barcelona. Tell us a little bit about your pre-MBA experience. Sure. I worked in uh, consulting before the MBA. I uh, actually, well, let me start at the at the beginning. Uh, I was born in <laughs> Johannesburg, in South Africa. I went to school there, lived there my whole life, went to university and studied accounting, and then decided I'd prefer a maybe a career in solving future problems rather than uh, looking at historical um, financial records. And I, I joined uh, Bain and Company in Johannesburg in 2016. I worked there for three and a half years, uh, doing all kinds of projects across Africa, um, telecommunications, mining, um, private equity. Um, got to see a lot of the beautiful continent. Um, and after, after that, I, I was keen to take some time to really reflect on my career and my future. And that brought me here to ESA, to Barcelona. Did you come to ESA with fintech in mind? I did. I, if it, fintech was a big part of my essays, actually. I think we had to submit three essays, and out of two out of the three of them, I actually I mentioned um, fintech in them, um, specifically uh, fintech in in Africa. Um, I guess we call it developmental fintech. Uh, looking in the the micro lending and, and credit credit providing um, micro credit providing space uh, in, in East Africa that was that was, that was the original idea and that, that was what was uh, mentioned in my in, in my essays and, and that was the opportunities I, I attempted to to pursue as well could you talk to us a little bit about that company and, and how you what what attracted you about that like what was your what was it that drew you to, to micro-credit yeah. fintech in, in East Africa? Yeah. I, during my last few, probably my, my last year at, at Bain, I was working in, in private equity and we ended up needing to do a, a market analysis of, of the, the credit market in, in East Africa. And this led me to come across a lot of these fintechs in East Africa that were doing interesting things with um, people's data. So they were using people's telephone records or other interesting data sources such as how often they made phone calls and when they were recharging their data to actually build credit profiles and use those credit profiles to lend their money, uh, which before, unless you had a very formal credit bureau and a centralized repository of credit records, it was actually very difficult for uh, people without traditional access to to banking to to borrow money. So, seeing what companies um, like Jumo and and um, the likes were would InterSwitch were doing and how how they were building these kinds of credit profiles, that was fascinating to me. And I realized the enormous impact that fintech could have in actually helping open up an economy like Kenya or Uganda or Tanzania uh, to 
to giving its 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 inhabitants the ability to actually borrow money and use that money to live their lives, but also grow their their small businesses. I mean, there's close on forty million um, small and micro small, medium, and micro enterprises in Africa. And I think 95% of them are micro businesses, which are businesses run by one person and the the financials of the business and the individual are completely inseparable. So the the enormous impact that that could have, someone could borrow money and use that to to turn their business into something much more profitable and and, um, really generate um, a a living for themselves. That was was what really drew me towards, towards fintech as an industry. That's great, Peter. Thank you. Were you able to see any of those changes there during your time there? It was difficult to see the the actual changes. I think because we were we were coming at it from a you know a, a bigger a bigger client interested to understand the market rather than being on the ground. Um, what we did see was the immense size of the opportunity. And I read a lot about a lot of the the impact and um, the success stories of, of people and you know a, a um, farmer in in Kenya who's able to produce ten times as much because he's uh, able to get the working capital to buy seeds, for example. And and those those sorts of success stories were were all over um, and. Even some of the primary interviews we did with with um, you know country heads of some of these fintechs, they always had incredible stories of of, of you know the, the kinds of things they they heard on the ground. But I think the next step for me will be to actually be able to be a part of that and and see it for myself. Wow, how, how exciting to be part of that impactful work. Yeah, for sure. I I think that's you can have a better social motivation for for being interested in the space. So, Peter, during your first year, what was the summer internship recruiting process like? What did you do well? What would you do differently? So my my recruiting experience probably started a bit later than than everyone else. Um, given my my background, I didn't I didn't go into any kind of investment banking or, or consulting processes. So I I only really started thinking seriously about um, the kinds of companies and the kinds of roles I wanted um, from about January onwards. Um, I think we can talk about this more, but I think that was probably my first uh, mistake, Uh, not because I was behind on any of the processes, but because the research and networking part um, actually takes some time. And the more time you have to do it, the wider your spectrum of of companies that you could could apply to. so I, I started looking into some, some fintechs. I, I looked in Africa specifically. I, I spoke to a, someone who was then a, a second year who had recruited for a fintech and, and actually worked in Kenya. And she gave me really good advice about where to look and, and, and how to think about it and how to go about this more unstructured, informal process. And I, I attempted and, and to do the same and applied to a few things. Um, unfortunately, in, in March, when, when COVID-19 um, became a, a, a real global pandemic, uh, a lot of these opportunities were, were no longer available. Um, and then I, I started looking within, within Europe for, for um, fintech opportunities, um, realizing that any fintech experience, given that I had none, was going to ultimately get me closer towards 
my goal of, of, of working in, 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 in Africa um, in, this, in this industry. And yeah, I, I was privileged enough that ESA has the career forum and they brought really amazing um, Spanish and European fintechs to, to school and I, I networked with some of them. Um, they had you know, more formal processes requiring cover letters and I submitted some of them and ultimately that, that brought me to, to Arex, uh, which is where I did my internship. And that was mostly because I was, I was really uh, impressed and, and inspired by watching the, the founder of, of, of Arex speak and his take on, on fintech having been in the industry for so many years was something that I really wanted to learn even more from. So I, I, I decided to pursue that opportunity and um, was lucky enough to, to receive an offer from, from Arex. Yeah, so that, that brings us to uh, a, what might be considered an obvious question for, for us here, but could you tell us a bit about Arex and, and what they are and, and what they provide so uh, people can have an understanding of, of them? And uh, they're such an impressive uh, company and, and paired to the founders is just an inspirational fintech um, entrepreneur. So tell us a little bit about, about that and, and your experience there. Sure, sure. So Arex is a is a digital invoice financing platform. And what that means is they will provide SMEs the opportunity to finance their invoices up front at a small discount in order for them to free up working capital. So a really simple example is a uh, let's someone who uh, you know supplies timber to IKEA and this, this, this business will um, supply a huge amount of, of wood to, to IKEA on a regular basis. And IKEA, being a very big company, will pay them after 90 days or 120 days. We'll have very, very long payment terms. And this company is perhaps very reliant on IKEA as a customer and needs cash earlier on to buy more wood and, and continue to, to be able to supply them. So what Eric's will do is... is um, take the invoice from IKEA um, and effect, put it effectively put it on their platform and sell it to Arex investors. So Arex investors will, let's say it's a hundred dollar invoice for simplicity's sake, the Arex investor will uh, pay 98 euros for the invoice today. That 98 euros will go to the SME, they have the cash up front, and after the 90 days or 120 days, IKEA will make a payment to Arex and that money will go to the investor. So the investor will then get $100 after 90 days. So it benefit for the SME is that they get the cash up front, which they will need to run their business. And the benefit for the investor is that there's a pretty great annualized return of 8 to 10%, depending on the risk and, and the terms of the invoice. And uh, that's, that, that's in a nutshell how it works. Yeah. That's, uh, that's fantastic. And for people who are not as familiar listening to the podcast, you know, the working capital is such a big issue for smaller companies working with much larger companies. Mm-hmm. So just as an example that uh, Peter just gave. And so this is what Eric's is focused on, I think, is a, is a brilliant problem and, and a really elegant modern solution. Um, yeah. And especially in a world where investors require or are looking for higher returns. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing I can also add to that, the, the, the trend that really helps boost Arex's success is, is the fact that, um, you know, 
SMEs are becoming a lot less capital intensive, that the, the kinds of new businesses we see are very rarely asset heavy businesses. They're much more software or, or, or service companies these days. And that means that when these SMEs want to borrow money from banks, they often don't have collateral to, to show. Um, and that makes it very difficult to get any kind of loan from banks. So as that SME financing gap keeps getting bigger and bigger, um, fintechs like Arix and, and you know both from a working capital you know short-term perspective all the way through to longer-term loans, there's just a massive opportunity um, in, in Europe and all over the world for, for fintechs to plug in there. Modern solution to a modern problem. Tell us a bit more about what you did day to day at Rx. Sure. My role was entitled business development for UK and Ireland, and that enti- that, that that required me to um, actually develop business by selling the Rx solution to potential partners. And I say partners because the Eric's business model is not to sell directly to the SME who wants to get their invoice financed, but rather sell to the SME's accounting platform or billing invoicing software. So you could imagine as an SME, you probably will use Sage or Xero, one of these software as a service online uh, platforms for your accounting. And... You can view all your open invoices in in this kind of a platform. And what Arix does is effectively integrates a button that gives the SME the capability to click and finance an invoice via their platform. So they go on their Zero platform and they click a button and the button says finance this invoice through Arix or just finance this invoice. And the invoice unseen goes through the Arix system, goes to Arix investors. Um, like I explained before, the investors invest and the money goes um, to to the, the SME. And this is, um, for those who aren't familiar, this is what's called white labeling, which is integrating your software into, into someone else's software without necessarily using your own brand, your own name, your own uh, images, etc. So the big part of the internship was looking for similar partners in, in that kind of uh, accounting space. And also, secondly, expanding the kinds of partners that Arix could sell to. So a very big piece of work that I looked at was neobanks. So could N26 or Revolut um, offer to their business clients the ability to finance the invoices? And this this takes advantage of the, the trend that these neobanks are currently trying to sell to businesses and, and develop their business offerings. And if they're able to integrate services such as Arix for short-term financing, um, you know, longer-term loans as well, and maybe integrate invoicing services as well, which some of them have already done. They can actually offer a a modularized package to um, a small business that becomes very, very attractive and, and a lot cheaper than maybe a, a traditional bank would, would be. So that was the second part, was trying to find beyond the traditional accounting firm what other partners would, would work. And the, 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 last, the last bit was more... I guess ad hoc, and you know, given it's a small you know, thirty-five person, which I, I guess isn't that small, but you know, compared to some of the internship companies, um, you know, a lot more flexible. So there was some ad hoc work relating to um, thinking about how does IFRS nine, which is a new accounting standard, 
how does it apply to investors' uh, risk models? Um, some of my background in accounting helped me to be able to, to look into that. Uh, there was there was some work um, regarding new markets and, and the U.S. market, and, and would that be an interesting um, area for, for Eric's to explore? Um, there was a business case about the U.K. market and, and you know, trying to make a, a you maybe using more of my consulting background and making a good business case for why the UK market was an attractive point point of entry and, and making that case to Arex's own own investors. Um, and that was that was broadly what, what 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 I covered. Did something surprise you about working in fintech that you weren't expecting? I think I think there are a number of interesting things um, that I learned. I think what. What what was really interesting was how you you have two very complicated business function. I mean, there's obviously there's there's many more, but but for me, I, I viewed it as there was a very um, occupied and, and busy business development function that was going out and and and, and selling and, and and trying to um, build business for for Arix. and then there was a technical side that was you know at the same time refining and, and building the product. Um, and watching those watching those two two sides kind of go at it, but in in very close coordination, although having completely separate skill sets and and, and um, the separate schedules. Um, I think as a as a developer, sometimes you, you you spend a lot of time meeting with your team internally and um, actually coding and and bug, debugging and, and and working on that. And as a business developer, you. You know, constantly online, sending emails, doing calls, pitching. Um, so I think seeing how how completely different those those two functions were and how well they they that they would work together was something that I really really enjoyed. And I think I think particularly what I found um, fascinating was the the product role, the product manager or product owner role, which which coordinated in a way. Um, inputs from both of those sides, so would hear from the business side a bit more about what what um, you know users would want, and use that to c- communicate to the technical side about the, the kinds of changes that would be needed. So, um, you know, the, the individuals that were working there that were able to understand both parts of the business, um, they were to me the most the most fascinating people to work with, and and the most the, the role itself was a role that became. Um, a bit more of an, an aspiration. I think I, I've, I've started realizing that if I, you know, do c- continue to pursue a, a career in fintech, um, I'd actually love for it to be a little bit closer to to a product role rather than a purely business development role. Despite <laughs> my limited uh, current experience and, and background in that in that area. So, speaking of which, I think you started to to really move us a little more broadly into your view on the industry. So just what are you thinking now? What do you think about fintech as an industry right now and, and the prospect? You know, you, you said if you kind of continue going forward um, and this idea of what you expect now in the next year and something obviously, you know, that I think a lot of our listeners would be really interested in, in getting that perspective from, from people who've sat in the seat. I think there's some of the same um, growth trends that are that are still to come, at least from my my view, uh, from from Arix and and from a little bit of interaction with with fintechs in the in the same ecosystem. Let's call it. 
I think there's a continued pressure on on SMEs to raise financing. Um, you know, in, in the context of a, of a global pandemic, even more so. I think people are are likely to become more risk averse. Banks are, are likely to be a little bit less keen to lend to to small businesses, um, and I think that will make that SME financing gap e- even wider going forward. So I think there's going to be a continued expansion of this opportunity. And as a result, more and more fintechs that are going to be doing similar things. Um, I think the other thing from a career perspective in fintech is I think as as the years go by, it, it's becoming much more, you know, roles such as product owner and, and product manager and, and, and business development fintech, which, you know, before maybe was something where if you heard of them, um, you need to go on Google and figure out exactly what, what it is that this person would do. I think these roles are becoming very, very common and, and very mainstream and, and popular for, for MBAs. So I think fintech clubs at, at, at MBAs are, are, are going to start getting bigger as more and more fintechs um, pop up to, to, to fill this need. So I think, I think it's just going to become one, you know, as I said, a, a industry that just grows, I think, both from the financing perspective as, as well as in kind of all the other um, activities around it, from banking to, to billing. Um, and secondly, it's also going to become a much more popular career and, and more um, accepted and, and less niche career choice for, for MBAs and, and you know other graduates. Peter, your thoughts are making me think we have to have a Unless we should put together a podcast episode on trends, forward-looking trends and insights on the industry. I think people would really like that. Definitely. That'll be coming up soon. Now, um, Peter, what books, blogs, and podcasts do you recommend for our listeners? So I'm unfortunately not the most well-read person when it comes to the traditional fintech books. Um, I have read um, many different, I guess, smaller resources um, that Google and the like have led me to. Um, as for actual books on, on, on fintech and podcasts on fintech, I'm not the, the, the person who listens to those um, all the time. But what I what I can recommend um, that was extremely helpful is a, a site called Medium. Um, so when I started getting interested in a product manager role, um, one of the one of the um, product managers at Arix actually sent me a, a bunch of resources on on Medium. And starting there, I I saw incredible, insightful things about um, what the role entails, what are some trends in the role itself. How could you think about positioning yourself to recruit for a role um, in, in in product and, and in fintech? So I would definitely recommend um, looking looking at some medium blog posts. And I think the the other interesting uh, way to, to find out more about the industry is is to look at sites like TechCrunch and and some of the sites that maybe um, you would see as being more advertorial in in nature so maybe sometimes plugging some of these fintechs but i think using those as a as a starting point for for names and the types of companies and doing your own primary research on, on what some of these companies are doing is actually a, i find a, a more interesting way to to get a view of of the market um rather than you know maybe more more structured reading which is 
can sometimes be um, angled at, at a particular opinion or, or, or a particular angle. And last question for you here, Peter, today. What advice would you give to yourself a year ago? What would you have loved to know before you get into this process or while you were in the middle of looking at, at internships? Yeah, I think it would be two things broadly. Firstly, start earlier. I mean, I was already quite convinced when I started the MBA that I wanted to, to work in fintech. So I would have told myself to start looking earlier, even though formal applications might not have been due, I would have been able to get in touch with with um, fintechs and, and understand a bit more about what they were doing. And I think as part of this um, advice, I think mostly speaking, people are a lot more willing to have a conversation um, than, than one would expect, even if these are people that are two or three degrees of separation away from you on, on LinkedIn. If you come with um, a specific question or a specific request, like, hey, I see you working in business development in, in this particular fintech, um, I really want to, under, want to understand how much of your role uh, requires talking to clients and how much of it requires analyzing new markets. So having a bit of specificity um, and using that to reach out to, to people and, and network and have conversations, um, doing that and doing that early on is, is very, very important, I think. And I wish I had, had done a bit more of that. Um, I think, I think secondly, um, doing more, more research about all the kinds of roles that are out there and which ones are for you is, is quite important because it took me a couple of weeks and months actually in the fintech itself to realize that although I was enjoying many aspects of business development, um, I actually saw myself maybe working more in more product focused role. I think I might have actually come to that realization if I'd done some some more research beforehand. So that's something else is is when you see a role being advertised, often there's a, a sort of role description, but you know looking on resources such as you know Reddit, um, Quora, Medium, and finding out about what those what those role roles entail. Again, talking to people that have done the role in similar fintechs and and really getting down to the detail of okay, you wake up at whatever, 8 a.m., what do you do? What's the first email you read? What are three typical meetings you'll have during a day? How would you spend most of your day? Are you making slides on a particular market? Are you actually using that time to code? Are you mostly just talking to stakeholders? Um, are you uh, running internal meetings? Actually getting down to that level of, of, of detail about what, what people are doing can really help you paint a picture about the typical day in this role, whatever it may be. And you can then make, you can quite easily be honest with yourself and say, okay, this is what that day would look like. Does this appeal to me, yes or no? And sometimes yes, sometimes no. And then if it's the answer is kind of, then you know that's, that's another conversation to, to have um, with you know, whoever you're recruiting with and, and you know, raising those concerns about the role um, if, if, if it gets to that stage of the, of the process. So that would be, the, the, those would be two things that I'd say would be um, useful to, to do before recruiting or during recruiting for FinTech. Well, Peter, thank you so much for your time and this insightful advice, but also I'd really like to thank you for making the intro and exit melody for this podcast. I know Maximo and I are both really excited about it. Absolutely. Totally stoked. So thank you so much. He was such a talented man here.
<laughs> Thanks, guys. I, I had a I had a great time um, making the jingle and and recording it. I I love doing uh, things like that. So uh, if you have any other freelance work coming up, uh, we'll definitely be sending it your way. Don't <laughs> worry. So everyone, thank you for listening and stay tuned. Until next time. <laughs>